Welcome to Listen by Jean Ginsberg. This audio experience and podcast is all about social media, digital marketing, entrepreneurship, and interviews with top entrepreneurs in the digital and social space. I'm your host, Jean Ginsberg, digital marketing expert, number one best-selling author, and award-winning entrepreneur. I will be sharing with you strategies, tips, and tactics on how to grow your business and your social media following. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, Jean Ginsberg here and welcome to the podcast. I am super excited today. I have a very special guest and I am I can't wait to get into all the details. We're going to talk about UX UI, right? User experience. User experience. User experience. Awesome. I'm super excited. Go ahead, please introduce yourself and we'll jump right in. Thanks for having me on your show. I'm John Fukuda, and I'm a co-founder at Limina. And Limina is a user experience uh, research strategy and design consultancy. We specialize in business process management systems for enterprise uh, organizations. And um, today, what I want to talk to you about is a report that we released on June 1st, our 2020 design integration Right. We'll get right into that. Uh, but I think before we um, talk about the report, why don't you tell our listeners uh, a little bit about your background and your company? Sure. So um, my background is I started in software design as a systems integration consultant at Cambridge Technology Partners. Uh, and at that time, it was right around the cusp of the dot-com boom. So everybody was migrating their brick and mortars to online. Uh, so this is about 20 years ago, by the way. And um, my team and I were uh, essentially tasked with translating business requirements into workflows that made sense for technologists to build systems and build workflows on, on the internet. And that team generally became known as the user experience team. And that was a team that that was a phrase that was just starting to come around about 20 years ago. Uh, Nielsen Norman and a couple of other guys had thrown that term out there, information architects and user experience. So um, we, we, we branded as user experience consultants within Cambridge Technology Partners, and then we wrote a lot of methodology for that. So with that background, and uh, just a few years later with the dot-com bust, um, I was furloughed with a couple of other consultants and we ended up extending our relationships with some of the customers we were already working with. And um, as separate consultants, we were giving them three different invoices every month and they said, hey, it'd be better if you guys just formed a company. And so um, we, you know, using all the methodology that we had written already for systems integration and user experience work, we just built a practice around that. And that's, that's what Limina is today. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. So tell us a little bit about the company, like what kind of clients do you work with? What are specifically the challenges that you solve for them? Okay. Yeah. So we, um, we generally have like three categories of customers. Um, our primary customers are uh, enterprise businesses. These are organizations that are implementing a lot of different technologies. Uh, they're standing up essentially business process management systems or you name it, whether it's like HR, uh, knowledge management, practice management, whatever it is. Um, they're building intranets and 
you know, all types of um, business process workflows. So we help them to better understand the needs of their employees and how could the systems be built better for you know, efficiency, quality, um, risk redu re reduction, and um, you know, better employee happiness overall. And then um, the other category of customers we have is startups. These are people who they have really great ideas. They even um, maybe have a patented IP around it a specific business problem there their solutions out there for but they're having trouble connecting their product solution to the needs of end users and the ways that users want them so generally when you're a startup and you have this great idea you've thought about it from the creator standpoint from the solution standpoint and much less from this is what i need as a human being and oh that solution actually meets my needs so it's basically just getting them to bend their thinking back towards a user-centered perspective and then we help them design, you know, what does that experience feel like? And then the last category of customers we work with is the federal government. We have done a lot of, um, the federal government is in a, in a point of transition where they use the internet initially to communicate their policy, you know, I'm an agency X and our policies and regulatory, you know, world is this, and here's what that means for you as a citizen. That was the web one for government. And Web 2.0 was, you know, starting to build workflows in there. Where we're at right now is what's called um, digital transformation and e-gov delivery. So this is no longer just communicating policy, but actually um, enabling their services to be web uh, serviced so that you can log in to the IRS, you can you know, submit things electronically. Um, so the sort of new world of digital transformation is still happening in, in, at the government. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, so the government seems to be always a few steps behind, right? Yeah, yeah, so. and they're beasts too. I mean, when you talk yeah. about the uh, a huge mix of technology over 30 years of, of systems integration, and all different types of contractors getting in there with their favorite tools. So um, it's it's always a big rat's nest when you get in there, and a lot of a lot of work has to go into it. Right. Absolutely. That makes sense. Uh, well, yeah, thank you for sharing that. So we kind of have a, a baseline of where we're moving forward with in terms of, you know, what your background is and your company is all about. So you mentioned uh, this report that came out recently. So what is the significance of this report? Sure. Yeah. So we, you know, we've been running the business, Lemina's um, coming up on 17 years of practice now. And we found that a lot of the types of problems we go in to solve have a, a pattern to it. And this is not um, unique to Limina. I think everyone who does user experience work has to go through this period of understanding, then uh, you know, mapping and planning, and then uh, scoping, and then designing and, and implementing and testing. So those are like big categories of activities that our group does. Um, and with every customer we go into, we found that we were in the same conversation over and over again. Like, this is what design is, this is how the process works, and this is how you get from not knowing what you're gonna to build to knowing exactly what you're gonna build and how much it's gonna cost. Um, so all the things that we do as a practice to marshal a, a customer through that experience um, feels like an a, a process of education every time we do it. We wanted to get to the bottom of why, why do people have so many different notions of what design is and how it should be executed? 
And so the study was uh, framed up in mid-2019. We came to about 218 questions trying to get to the, the root of what do people think human-centered design is at digital service and digital product companies? And how well are they orchestrating that as an internal practice of their own? Um, so the objective for us was to see how far off the mark are either we as a, as a company or are other organizations from each other when it comes to normalizing on what human-centered design is and how it should be practiced. And so um, we took that survey and we put it out to in a double-blind study to 100 different organizations. Uh, we had 111 responses, actually. And then um, in addition to that, we had qualitative interviews just to verify what we were finding. Uh, these, are, these were organizations that we had seen and um, had knowledge of them actually being best, best practice uh, leaders in, in design integration. This podcast is brought to you by the Digital Marketing Method Monthly Group Coaching Program, your methodology for growing your business and your social media following. Join me and my group of supportive entrepreneurs and learn how you can grow your business and your social media following, where we cover topics such as Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, email marketing, and so much more. Go to dmgroup.online, dmgroup.online. So with those two sets of information, um, we went through analysis of the survey findings and we generated the report, which largely talks about uh, what's happening and what should be happening in design innovation. So, um, the report itself is, it's, we put it out on our website, so it's, it's free to download. Um, and I'll share a URL, I guess, some other, some other time in this talk. But um, what I'm doing now is I'm going out and finding either business communities that are in the digital product or service space that are interested in learning more about how to integrate design more efficiently and effectively in their organizations. Sorry, so one, yeah, one question. So what is the, what was the findings of the report? Sorry, before yeah. we jump into the yeah, other yeah. stuff, like uh, what is the findings that you found? Like, what yeah. was this important? So basically, we, what we found was 15% of organizations are, uh, they are aligned on business, technical, and design functions within their organizations. So where they have um, the 80, well, like that leaves about 85% that are generally needing to catch up. And so when I break an organization into business technology and design, where there's great alignment in most organizations is between their technology and business functions. Uh, and that's, um, something I was referring to uh, earlier about systems integration and all the work that's been done to support business processes. That's all great. Um, but they have, there's a ton of technology out there that functionally is appropriate, but from a design perspective and thinking about what is the user's needs in that whole scenario, uh, have a ton of deficiencies. And that's generally like what means job security for my company, right? And a lot of other user experience companies are consistently called in to solve, here's all the usability problems we have at our organization. So what that is, is a signal 
of misalignment between design, business, and technology. And that's the other 85%. So the right. things that, that work against that and what we found in our, our, our study is that the, the organizations that are doing this well are aligning their organization on a couple of things. So a design-centered, human-centered design culture is one of the key, um, it's like the linchpin of this all. And basically that's organizations understanding that design is not something that you do, that you hire as a role. You don't hire a graphic designer in that, and that's your design department. You, you actually need to think of design as a process. And if the process involves all the disciplines from across the organization to better understand the marketplace, to better understand the needs of the users within the context of that marketplace, and then to do some problem solving as a collective to drive innovation and product solutioning, that's, that's starting to build a human-centered design culture within the organization. Now they do that through shared language, shared business processes, shared, shared systems, shared language. Um, and then they do this cross-functionally with um, shared budgets and uh, shared systems. And then from a metric standpoint, they look at those things. How, how are our KPIs performing you know, with that new feature released in the marketplace? And then... As a, as a collective, what's our KPIs against how we manage to take that problem and solve it? So what are all the things we did internally and, and how well did we do that? Um, the, one, the companies that are doing well, that 15% are across the board aligned when it comes to having a, a human-centered design culture, uh, using cross-functional teams to perform design process, and then measuring their success as a, as a total, um, as a collective. So and, it's, um, and who is this applicable for? Is this applicable for any company, like one one person, a uh, solopreneur, to 10 people, to 100 yeah, people, I mean, to 1,000 people? It's, yeah, it's true. I think as you look at uh, organizations that have been around for a while, right, so we're talking you know, 20 years or so, maybe, maybe more, um, those organizations have gone through this cycle of adopting a lot of different technologies and um, having lots of, like, Lots of, they even might be growing through acquisitions so that lots of different systems that they're trying to coalesce. Um, they, they struggle the most with this problem. And then smaller companies and the ones that we saw like were largely in that 15% were smaller because they have less of that legacy to have to deal with. They're more nimble and can move more quickly. Um, I don't think this is a terribly applicable set of messages for somebody who's like a solopreneur, but there is some things that can be learned uh, from like the way you think about design across the board um, as, a, as a solo practitioner, as a, if let's say you have your own software that you've put out in the marketplace, maybe it's a mobile app or something. Um, having this mindset of scalable, sustainable design integration uh, is it's still something that com will come in handy. It's just, the message itself applies, I think, to um, more of a cross-functional set of uh, practitioners. Right. So, so this podcast, I, I would say most of the, the listeners here are, you know, solopreneurs or people who want to start a business or maybe who have a small business, you know, maybe few, few employees, 10 employees or something along the lines. So how would this be applicable to 
you know, to entrepreneurs, um, what, maybe if you could provide some examples or some key takeaways, because I want to make sure I, you know, I'm giving value to the individuals who are listening to this. Um, what are some key takeaways that can take away after listening to you on this podcast? So in addition to breaking down what we saw to be the problems in, in, uh, digital product and service companies, we, also saw seven traits that lent themselves to, uh, sorry, I'm just looking for the page where we break it all down. Um, six best practices, essentially. So um, the first best practice is to, is to make sure that the leadership team understands what design is as a process from the moment you're trying to understand the market and the users within that market space and what their needs are and how to articulate those needs into a set of solutions for your product and how you, how you let that understanding drive innovation in your product solution. So that's one piece. Um, we found that teams that didn't have the support of the leadership or the leadership wasn't really on board with design as a process and um, human centeredness as a means to drive innovation was um, they, they, those teams, the design leaders find themselves hitting a, a brick wall at times and they're not able to get fully um, execute against what they're learning about their users needs and how you articulate that in the product. So the key was to have uh, leadership support and then design culture. So making sure that everybody is aligned on what design is as a process, how it's, how it works. Uh, what are the set of activities and deliverables that um, build a design process and who participates. So that's from a cultural standpoint. Um, we also have a best practice around supporting that culture with shared systems, shared processes, and shared artifacts that can be reused and um, uh, repeated over and over again. So if you have that, you build in this sense of efficiency and workflow and how do you approach understanding, how do you plan and estimate against that, and how do you deliver and design and implementation. Um, it also sets the guidepost for when you're testing to know whether or not you moved that KPI in the right direction. So if you have all those things sort of seamlessly laid out for you in a set of repeatable processes with reusable artifacts, and you're kind of knowing what you did that actually improved that KPI. Right. Um, so these are all the six steps that you mentioned? Yes. So these are different parts of the best practice. Um, Awesome. Well, that's, that's, that's really interesting points. And I think there's a lot of that, that small businesses entrepreneurs can take away from what you were discussing today. Cause I mean, design is something that we all need, <laughs> whether you have a small business, whether you're a solopreneur, whether, and you know, if you're starting your own business, something to definitely consider, right? Because that needs to be a culture that you want to have moving forward when you design your own business you want to have design as an aspect of it so yeah thank you for sharing that was super helpful um how can our listeners get in touch with you um perhaps your website or an email address or you know any any way that they'd like to get in touch with you sure um so the company website is limina.co l-i-m-i-n-a.co and uh, I'm John Fukuda, so you can hit me at jfukuda at limina.co. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. This was very helpful. Um, I hope that you guys got some tidbits out of this uh, interview. And yes, design, I believe, is a very important feature of any business, whether 
you're small or big. So thanks again for being with us, John. And we look forward to having you on the show another time. And maybe you can pro you know, provide um, some more details or some more uh, updates on what's been going on in the design world. Awesome. Thank Thanks you. Thanks so much.